The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, Yes. And he replied, Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household, who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you. Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Praise God. Uh, just a couple of announcements before we dive in to the amazing readings this Sunday. The first one is, it's, it's in the little, our little quasi-bulletin there about our youth group. So we're trying to find creative ways to raise more funds. And so one of the ways that they came up with, we're calling it Cans for Christ. Basically, taking the aluminum cans and donating it to the parish so that we can, when we recycle that, all the money goes towards feeding the youth group. And as you know, feeding young people is expensive. Just like on last Friday, we had a movie night, and uh, we want to ensure that the kids are eating healthy food and eating well, so we went to Taco Bell. And, uh, and, so, and so they were happy. And as you know, it's expensive feeding young people. So that's kind of one of the ways. So if you do have... You want to donate your aluminum can to the parish, all the money goes towards feeding our growing young people. So that, that's one announcement. Second, next weekend we're having 24-hour adoration, as we've, we've done it once a month. So I want to encourage you to sign up, and especially if I can add a, add a twist to it, especially sign up as families. Something happens to a family when we pray together. Something beautiful happens. And especially if your husband and wives, no matter how long you've been married, pray together. It will add a deeper dimension to your relationship. I see it all the time. Pray together. If you've been in the habit of praying together, 
come in special adoration before Jesus Christ, who has blessed your marriage, oh, a, a new dimension takes root in that family and in that relationship. So I want to encourage you, if you have never signed up or if you're not willing to commit for 24 hours of uh, one of the prayer slots there, uh, come, come in. The church is open all throughout the night. Someone will be here individual before the Lord. And oh, how it's amazing. Make that effort. Pray together as a family. Especially if, uh, yeah, if you have, uh, if you have any, we all, you know, all families, we have situations that we want to pray for. And so bringing it before the Lord, Lord, here's the situation. <laughs> Take it and help us. Oh, it's beautiful. End of announcements. In the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to ask a, a deep question. Deep, deep, deep question. Might be a little too deep for Sunday morning, 10.30, Mass. But I want to ask it, and I've posed this question various times, but I want to focus on it in a particular way today. What is the deepest longing of your heart? What is it? Have you ever thought about that question before? What is the deepest longing of your heart? Or another, another way of phrasing it is, because I know that's an intense question, is it? What's the deepest longing of my heart? Oh. <laughs> We're asking about it this way, because we all, in a way, are always trying to find that answer. What makes you happy? Because how you answer that question is a little easier. Relates to the deepest desires the human heart. Or let's approach it through another angle. And I think it will help. Think everybody in here now of the person you love the most. Who do you love the most? Just You don't have to yell it out. Somebody yelled out, Father Brian, this morning at Mass. I said, yes, you're going to heaven. <laughs> but think of the person that you love the most right now. Just bring them to mind. And for the majority of us, it will be, we love our spouse. We love our spouse the most. We love our parents. Or if you have kids, I bet you, you love your kids, don't you? Now, with that person in mind, ask yourself, what do you desire for that person? What do you want for that person you love the most? And the vast majority of us will begin to, to, to answer that. Oh, I want my wife, my husband, my children to be happy. I want them to be healthy, live a long life. I want them to have a good job, to achieve well in life, to be successful. All great things. But now bring it even further. If we're lucky, God willing, and we achieve all of those things, success, health, that job, that or whatever goal we have, does that make us truly happy? Or does it satisfy the deepest desires of our heart? No. The frustrating thing is that even when we achieve all our lofty goals, which are amazing things, 
we're still hungry. All of the social science says this, by the way. All of it. We achieve all of these goals that the world says we need. And when we look to those who are seemingly have it all, guess what they say? I'm still hungry. I desire more. What is the deepest desire of your heart? First reading today in the book of Kings. God essentially asks King Solomon this question. Imagine this. Look, look what just happened to King Solomon here. God appears to him in a dream and asks him, Ask anything you want, anything, and I will give it to you. Essentially, what Solomon has just been given here, he's been given the proverbial magic lamp and the genie. And we all know the strategy, right? By the way, if anybody finds a magic lamp and the genie that pops out says to you, you have three wishes. We all know what we have to do, right? The first wish, what is it? We all know this if you watch enough Disney movies. More wishes. You ask for more. right? And this is where Solomon messes up, by the way. He messes up. He hasn't watched enough Disney movies, the Solomon guy. God straight up asks him, anything you want, I will give it to you. Just ask. He doesn't ask for more wishes. Look how he responds. God, you made me. I am a mere youth, not knowing at all how to act. Oh, that's a great response. He begins first with humility. God, I am young. I am your servant. I have no idea how to act. And then the second one. Lord, I serve you in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. Give me now, your servant, an understanding heart so I may judge your people to distinguish right and wrong. He begins with humility, and then he focuses on the other. The other. You go out onto the street, you ask 10 people, I'm a magic genie. Whatever you wish, you will have. Nine times out of 10, what will the people respond with? Me, right? The focus on me. Oh, I can have anything I want. And then we know somewhere in the four classical substitutes for God will follow under this, this rubric. Money, power, honor, pleasure. One of those four categories, nine times out of ten, people will answer. Not Solomon. Not Solomon. Lord, I'm a mere youth. I'm nothing. I want to serve your people. And then notice what he asked for. It's very specific. How do you serve? He says, I want to know 
what is right and what is wrong. That's a peculiar answer. But biblically, it makes absolute sense. Jump back now to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. We have Adam and Eve, and we know the story well. So they are in the Garden of Eden, the tree. God permits, says to them, eat any tree you want from here. Any fruit from these trees, anything except this one. Do not eat from this fruit of this tree. And then the devil comes in. In order to entice Adam and Eve, the angle the devil uses is, if you eat of the fruit, the devil says to Adam and Eve, you will become like gods, and then now you will be the determining factor of what is right and what is wrong. You will have the power to know what is good and what is evil. In other words, you will become like gods. Your will, your ego, will be the sole determining factor of what is right and what is wrong, what is true, and what is false. You will be that person. Look at the world today. What is on this world stage? What is playing out before our very eyes? It's the battle of the ego. Because once I become the sole determining factor of what is true, what is, what is right, what is correct, I must use every power I have to squash you so I get my way. Essentially, you want to boil down all human conflict? Reduce it down to its bare bones? That's what it is. Ego. And so now our Lord says to Solomon, Oh, you have said what is right. Because you have not asked for your long life, you didn't ask for more riches, nor did you ask for vengeance upon your enemies, and so now I will give you a heart that is wise. The deepest desire of Solomon's heart here is God's will. Now jump to the gospel. Jesus lays out a parable and he gives us examples of certain people. First example, Jesus says that the kingdom is like somebody who finds buried treasure in the field. Ask this person who finds his treasure, what is the deep, deepest desire of your heart? This person would say, that treasure in that field. In fact, he sells everything that he has just to get that field so he can buy it and get that treasure. Ask the second person who finds the pearl of great price. Ask this person who finds this pearl, Mr. Pearl Man, what's the deepest desire of your heart? And he will say, that pearl. And he sold everything that he has just to get that, that pearl. What is Jesus trying to tell us here? He's trying to tell us that the deepest desire of our heart 
will not be found here in this world. It will not be. But rather, we must probe the depths of this question and to get to the root of it. The deepest desire of our heart will never be found in the material world, nor will it be found in more pleasure or in the indulgence of our ego. It will not be found there. It's fun there. It's fun, absolutely. But it wears off so fast. The deepest desire of our hearts will ultimately be found only in Jesus Christ. Only there. Only there. And our Lord is trying to tell us, be foolish in achieving that. Prefer nothing to Jesus. Prefer nothing to him. Prefer nothing to the faith. Prefer nothing to mass. Make him the center of your life. Or, as he says powerfully, what is the greatest of all the commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. Once we achieve that, then everything else falls into place. We'll know what to do with our money, our power, our honor, and our pleasure. We'll know what to do with those amazing gifts. But only when we truly satisfy the desires of our hearts, because that desire is not a something, it's a someone. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.